You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. What is happening? It's on the You're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome to the AME Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and you guys are experiencing the AME Morning Rush. This only happens on Friday, so I'm glad that you guys are here. You're driving to work, and you're ready to finish off the work week strong so you can enjoy the weekend. And I have a lot of plans this weekend, too, so hopefully you guys have some great stuff that you guys are going to be doing. What I am going to be doing is on Friday, we're meeting one of my friends that are coming down here from New Jersey. And then we're going to go meet another friend of mine that's coming down from New Jersey at Disney World on Saturday. So we're going to have a lot of fun stuff to do. And I get to take my mind off the, the humdrum of the work week and just go be inspired with my friends. There's nothing better than hanging out with friends and family and just enjoying time. So that's part of my balance, I guess you could say. Uh, I haven't seen one of them in over a year, and I'm really excited to be able to see him again. And the other one I saw about six months ago. But you know what? The time with them never gets old. They're a lot of fun. So I am really looking forward to that. Now, please check out our website when you get to work or when you, or if you're just sitting in your car, you can you know, type it up on your cell phone. As long as you're not driving, it is www.theamemagazine.com. Check it out anytime you want. And it has everybody that we've ever interviewed on there. And it also has everybody, everything that we have coming up. So if you've missed something, don't worry about it. Just go check it out on the websites. You can also find links to all of our social media. And you can download our apps for Android and Apple platforms. Now, we did change over our platforms a little bit for our social media. It was once a part of the Imagination Art Studios um, umbrella, I guess you could say, because technically that is the that is the studio, it's my studio that produces this, and it was a part of that. It's a part of my art that I put out there. But I've, you know, we've grown so big that we actually need to break it up a little bit. So we've done it. So if you, if you, please follow us on our other ones too. But you want to follow our new stuff as well, so you can see exactly what's going on with the AME experience. We're branding it, and we are getting so big it is unbelievable. And you know, when I started this in 2015, it actually started as a dare, and I was really glad that I did it. I didn't expect it to get this this big this fast. But we were talking to some amazingly. Uh, incredible talent uh, from celebrities to the rising stars and I'm watching them as they're starting out and how they've got and where they've gone to you know it's amazing and I'm so inspired by everybody that comes on this show and I hope that you will be as well you know we're doing this show because we are the voice of artists and entertainers we realize that you know your art is simply like an island you can have a five-star resort there you can have some of the most exotic things to do, some of the best beaches and sight lines. But if nobody knows you're there, nobody's going to come. You're just a deserted island. And we want to make sure that you get that voice to get your stuff out there because we know it's hard. You know, it started with me back in 2009 or 10. I can't remember exactly when. But I, was, I had a show here in, in the St. Petersburg area, and I just wanted to go get some coverage of it, you know, f- some media coverage. I wanted it written up in the newspaper. I mean, they didn't have to do, like, a full-page spread on me or anything like that, but just mention it, you know, that I was going to be there. And it, I was shocked to find out that when they told me, if you're not Ansel Adams, then we can't bring you on right now. You're not big enough for us. 
I was like, wow, a local a local guy isn't big enough for a local newspaper? Okay. And I, it was that moment I realized that there are so many talented individuals that kind of fall under the radar, and I wasn't going to let that happen. So that's what the AME experience is. It is the voice of artists and entertainers everywhere. All you need is a little bit of passion and a little bit of inspiration, and you can make amazing things happen. Okay, so let me tell you who we have for some guests coming up today. We have great guests, actually. And right in the mood for hockey, we have Alana McCready. Alana McCready is actually a hockey celebrity. She did a lot of collegiate stuff for the uh, Wisconsin Badgers. She's a, she's a champion with them. She then changed her, her entire aspect and wanted to pursue her love of country music. So she is now a country music singer. She's on her sophomore album. And she just released a brand new single off of it called Last Girl Standing. We are going to have a great time talking to her. Stanley Cups are here. So that's, that'll help you get, get you in the mood if your team's still in the playoffs. Then we have Hunter Fisher coming on. Now, Hunter Fisher is a part of our amazing youth series. This is something we did a long time ago with our newspaper, I mean our magazine. And now it's, we, we're going to do it for the radio. We're bringing on some amazingly young talents from the ages of 6 to 17 and 18 that have tackled their, their goals and pursued their career, but also remain you know, a, a child or, or a young adult and, and embracing that time. We're going to find out how they've tackled this industry. And this industry is tough, trust me. I've been in the art field. I know a lot of people that have been in it that have been in it for 35, 40 years in the uh, you know, being an actor or musician, it eats you up. And these kids are doing it. I hope that their story will inspire you. And I hope that you will be turned on to what they're doing too because it's amazing. So we have Hunter Fisher coming on. He has been on My Haunted House and American Violence. So we're going to be talking to him about all that stuff that we just talked about and what he plans on doing and what he thinks success will be for, for him as an entertainer when he gets older. So that's what we have coming on. And what we're going to do today, too, we're going to be talking about a couple of different things. First of all, I want to tell you about my experience with Buffalo Wild Wings. This is pretty funny. You know, weird things happen to me when I go to restaurants and stuff, but this one was probably one of the weirdest. I ordered a batch of small, mild wings, and I eat mild wings because I used to be able to love hot wings and stuff. I, I ate, like, cayenne peppers and, uh, and uh, jalapeno peppers and stuff like that, like it was going out of style. I can't do that anymore. My stomach's pretty screwed up. So I ordered mild wings, and I've had mild wings before there. I mean, I went in, I don't know how many times, and, and watched, you know, sports games and watched the, you know, ate their wings. So I know what it tastes like. So I get this basket out about 10 minutes later, and it's dark red, and it says hot on it with a sticker. I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe they just screwed up the sticker, you know. So I took a bite of it, and I'm like, wow, that is hot. You know, the red, the red really threw me off because usually the mild is like an orangey color. So I told, the, I told the, uh, the waitress, I said, look, I cannot eat this. This is too hot. I ordered mild wings. These say hot. She goes, well, sometimes they just mess up the sticker. Let me go talk to the kitchen and see what they, and see what they say. So a few minutes later, she comes out, and they say, she says, nope, they guarantee you it is mild. That is exactly what they made. I was like, well, ma'am, this is not mild, so I cannot eat this. So please take it back and make me mild. Then the manager comes back you know, walking out, gets in my face and says, sir, these are mild wings. I guarantee they are mild wings. I said, sir, I've tasted these things and my tongue is still burning. I've never had that problem with mild. He goes, well, our mild is extremely hot. And sometimes we have to take that back because it's too hot for people. I'm like, well, that, that may be true, but I've had your mild before. And I said, these don't look like mild wings. and They don't taste like mild wings. 
He goes, well, if I, got, if I go back there and we make you model wings and they're wrong, he goes, I'm going to be extremely upset. So I was at that point going to say, you know what, I'm not going to eat anything. But my wife had already had her food delivered, and it was, and it was fine for her. So I'm like, all right, do what you got to do. Just make me some mild wings. He goes, well, I'll, I'm going to bring you out a little taste of, of the mild sauce, and you can taste it and see if that's the case. I'm like, okay, you do that. So he brings out the mild sauce, and it's an orangey sauce. It is about five shades lighter in color, almost yellowish, than the, the wings he had before. I took a bite of it, and I said, you know what? That is exactly what I was looking for. I said, it actually cooled my mouth off a little bit from this heat that I had from the first ones. He goes, fine. And he stormed off. And I was like, I can't believe that guy just came out here to argue with me over the wings that I knew that I couldn't eat. He was trying to play like a reverse psychology on me and make me believe that I didn't know what I was talking about and I would eat the hot wings. Now, if I had eaten those hot wings, my stomach would have been so screwed up that night I probably would not have been able to sleep. So that is exactly why I keep saying, you know, always, always go with your gut. And I was right. He brought it out. The wings were great. I had a great time after that. But the, I, I did ask for a refill on my soda. I said, it was about three-quarters of the way done. And I said, look, I said, I'm going to have a, I, I have a refill here because I'm going have to have this done in a few minutes. I still got about seven more wings left to go. And she says, well, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll get you a refill. So she brings out a to-go cup, not even with the cherry Coke that I had, and said, here you go, so I could fill up the rest of my cup. She didn't want to get me a, a brand-new cup. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, are these guys screwing with me? Ah. Uh, it was, it was a weird experience. But I have weird experiences like that all the time when I go out to eat. So if I find another weird ex- in- instance, I will tell you guys about it because it's funny. All right. So the other thing I want to talk about is we have had a lot of celebrity deaths over the last two weeks. Believe it or not, we lost First Lady Barbara Bush. We lost pro wrestler Bruno San Martino. He was one of the original like WWE guys in the 60s and 70s and stuff like that. I watched him wrestle in person a couple of times. It was just really cool. We lost Harry Anderson from Night Court. Um, man, he was a funny guy, and I loved Night Court. It was one of my favorite shows in the 80s, and I really miss it. And I'm going to miss Harry Anderson. And then we have uh, Full Metal Jacket's R. Lee Ermey that passed away, too. You cannot mistake in his face. When you see him, you know he's the guy that gets right up in your face and just screams. He was like the drill sergeant type of guy. Loved his acting. I'm going to miss him a lot. And um, I, I, the entertainment world just won't be the same. We got rocked this week. Also, we are raising money for a new project that the uh, IAS Television, which is Imagination Art Studios Television, is doing called The Day in the Life of. And this is where we go out and follow celebrities. We follow uh, people in different types of uh, businesses and see what it's like to work their job, walk in their shoes. And hopefully what we hope that if it'll show you a different side to them. And if you haven't been in a, in a profession before, you may be interested in that. So that's something we're going to try to do, and we are raising money for that. So if you are interested in helping us being a sponsor of this or whatever it may be, please go check us out on our website and, and write to us. We, we have a full kit that we're doing right now, and the one that we're trying to raise money for to get down here to do a block party and raise some money for the ASPCA is... Alicia G, which we had on a few months ago. And uh, we'd really like to show her. She's a lot of fun. I think you guys are going to really like that. And one last thing before we go, and this is something I, I was really excited about. And uh, actually, it's not, not really excited, but it works me up. It's, it's the earth is flat, okay? Everybody keeps saying the earth is flat. 
So I have gone over this a couple times, and I, I don't know how I get stuck in these things on Facebook, but I do. Anyways, the Earth is flat, plain and simple. We've been lied to for over a thousand years. Okay. And they said, you know, when you, and this time their case was when you zoom out into space, deep into space, you never see, you never see a, uh, a, 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 the convex, the, the, um, the horizon. You know, it does, you don't see the little, the little turn. But you do. You just don't realize it. The thing about it is it's so freaking big. You know, you can't really see it all at once. But every time, have, okay, this is what I want you to do. Go to satellite pictures of the Earth on Google or whatever it may be. Have you ever seen a full piece of Europe in there? I usually see like half of Europe and a, and a quarter of, um, and a quarter of uh, Asia, like Russia. And then I see a little bit sometimes of Africa. Like sometimes that little, the little base right where uh, Libya and everything else is cut off. Sometimes, if it's the other way around, I don't see the full, the full part of Antarctica. I don't see the full part of South America where Peru ends up. And sometimes I don't even see all of Alaska. Now, how is that possible? We know that exists. So if you don't see it on the pictures of the globe... That doesn't mean it just comes off to a, to a little spot and goes straight down. We know it's rounded. That's the logic. And I hope, <laughs> I hope people listen to me that, about this because this is so ridiculous, but it is funny. And, it, and I'm hoping it entertains everybody a little bit. You get a good laugh going to school, going to school or work, wherever, may, wherever it may be that you are going today. So Earth is flat. Not. It is not flat. Go look at those pictures and see. You can never see the entire piece of land in any one of them. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have Alana McCready on the line. She's going to be talking to us about her music. We're going to listen to her single at the end of the interview, so don't go anywhere. Do you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. <laughs> hey guys, it's Lily Mae Silverstein playing Penny in my new movie, Alex and Me, which will come out digitally on June 19th, so go check it out. Hi there, this is Kim Coles, and I am a big fan of the AME Radio Show. Welcome back, everybody. We have on the line with us our special guest. Her name is Alana McCready. 
She is a hockey star who won two National Division I championships as a goalie for the Wisconsin Badgers. Now she's a country music singer-songwriter who has just released her brand new uh, single called Last Girl Standing off of her sophomore album called Ricochet Heart. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So you went from hockey to, to singing. What what made what was the what was the change? <laughs> uh, well, life, you know, my entire life growing up, and I just started one and then the other, and I was actually the only um, athlete in my high school who was also in choir, so it was pretty interesting. I had to sometimes choose to inquire concerts and hockey games. So. <laughs> So I would do my choir concerts for my director um, the day of the concert during school. I would sing all my parts, and then I would play the game for hockey that night. So it was like an even trade-off, and then I would sing the national anthem in my equipment on the ice before I played. So I tried to do both all the way through. Wow, that is cool. So you, you sang the <laughs> national anthems, and you went in between the, the, the poles. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, you're you're definitely a lady after my heart. I love hockey, played hockey most of my life, just, you know, local stuff. I didn't go into collegiate or anything like that, but I played goalie too. So I know what it's like to be in there, and they always say you got to be a little bit crazy to get in between those poles, but I well, like yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand what's wrong with throwing myself in front of someone who's trying to shoot a frozen piece of rubber at me as hard as they possibly can. That's right. I mean, and, 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 you know, the funny thing is is that you, you never catch it in a good spot. You always catch it in the neck or you catch it inside oh, the, yeah. the head. You know, that's, that's good yep. stuff. Wherever there's no padding. Right. Well, you know, it was, it was funny because I have a couple of stories. I know we were talking about it beforehand, but I went to the Tampa Bay Lightning one time and I was playing the Bruins. They were playing the Bruins. And one of the Bruins had slap-shotted something and it went up and around the, the glass and it came and hit me right in the chest. And it was like the most painful thing because I was not expecting. I was actually looking at a program at the time, and and when oh yeah, it was a little bit of a bruise, nothing major. <laughs> but you know, the funny thing is, is everybody was looking at it and trying to grab the puck off of my, in between my legs, you know. And I'm like, no. So I I picked it up and I put it in my pocket and I forgot that they deep freeze those things. So oh, it's yeah. kind of stuck to my skin. And at the same time, I wish I could have used that for the bruise that it left on my chest. Yeah. <laughs> well, in your jacket instead as an ice pack. That's right. <laughs> so what what made you like hockey? How did you grow up liking hockey? Um, well, I'm from Minnesota, so if you don't play hockey, people probably think you're a little strange. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I've been skating. My whole family, my brother and I both have been skating since we were, you know, walk basically is when you get your first pair of skates. Minnesota so and um, my dad my grandpa and all my family played hockey all growing up and my dad in Minnesota as well so I just it just sort of ran in the family and it's just kind of what you do and then I realized I loved doing it and that I wanted to make something out of it and so I sort of turned it into a, a year-round sport <laughs> well you can't can't go wrong with anything like that yeah who doesn't now, love to be in an ice rink in the middle of July? That's right. That's right. Well, at least you're not trying to play on frozen ponds at the time because, then, you know, that just wouldn't work too well. Yeah, no, that would not go well. <laughs> so, what made you decide to go with country as your 
main genre of choice? I mean, obviously, I'm I'm pretty sure that the the maybe the Canadian Midwestern you know uh, location that you're from had an influence on that. Um, but was there anything else that that led you to it? Yeah, definitely country is major in the Midwest and in Canada. So that was definitely a major factor. But also, my mom is from Oklahoma, so um, I you know I grew up listening to all of all country with my mom in my childhood, and so I grew up on you know Martina and Faith and all of the Shania and all of strong women. So that's the kind of country I grew up on. So that's sort of just always been in my blood. You know, I learned a little bit of something recently about country music, and that is that Canada has a really huge following for for country music, and I never they really do. realized that. It's crazy. I know. I wouldn't even expect it, but they really do. And what I learned about that is that they actually had more of a country, they accepted country music faster than New England did. Because when I grew up in New England, there really wasn't a country music station. And there was one, but it only came on at certain times of the day. And I think the closest thing we had anything to country was TNN back, th back then. And that's kind of where we watched The Wolfman Jack so and, crazy. and all those kind of stuff. But we didn't really have any country music, so I never really grew up with it. Yeah, definitely. I, thought, I did not know that. That is very interesting. Yes, there's so many country music festivals, concerts you know, in the summer and stuff, all through the Midwest. I mean, there's probably something every weekend. Now, with country music, there are the people that like the newer sound of it, you know, how it's kind of evolving into, like, mm -hmm. I think they call it crossover country. And then there's... Yeah, it's like contemporary. Yeah. And then there's the, the, the ones that are the diehard, you know, Clint... Uh, uh, I mean, uh, um, George Jones, you know, Tammy Wynette type of, type of mm -hmm. country. Where do you find yourself in that? Or do you like both? Um, I like both. Um, my music is definitely more of a hybrid contemporary country, for sure, um, as far as, you know, the instrumentals and how it sounds overall. Um, but I think the main thing that I take from all, you know, the classic old-school country is the songwriting, because I feel like that's what makes country music country music, is the ability to do storytelling with Jones and things like that. So that part, I think, has always stayed true. I try to have my music have really good storytelling, but then be really current on the music side. Um, the, uh, the, co the country that I love the most, and what I've grown to love with country along the way after I was actually able to hear it, is that it tells a story unlike any other music really does. Um, yeah. I don't know what, is it, what it is about it, but it's like picking up a storybook and it, you put yourself inside of that. So when you're writing your music, do you stick to that type of uh, storytelling, even though it may be a little bit more you know, modern and, contempor and contemporary than it was for the older stuff? I do, just because I like a song that has you know, a beginning, a middle, and then a resolution. You know, I, I love that formula for writing a song. So I can try to stick to that, you know, very classic verse, chorus, you know, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus is basically the, the formula. But so I like to stick to that just because when I'm listening to music, I like to have a story that I'm listening to. So if I like it, then other people like it too. So I want to try and stick with that. Mm. 
So what's really cool is I love that you're on your sophomore album, which means you put out your first album and it did well, and you're working on uh, bigger and better things and continuously evolve your music, I'm sure. So what did you learn from the first album that you were able to incorporate into the second album that you didn't think about on the first album? Um, well, I, I knew right away for this album I wanted to um, be involved in the writing of every song. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first album, um, I, I didn't write every track. Uh, so this album, I really wanted that to be a theme um, that I took into it. Uh, I either wrote or co-wrote um, all the tracks on this album. So um, I was really excited to do that because I feel like it gives it much more of a feel of who I am as a songwriter. And I just feel like as far as an album goes, it really just completes the circle if I'm involved in, you know, all of the writing. So I really wanted to do that. And then I think now I put out this first album, Love Hangover came out, I think, was it 2015? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it was that long ago already. Um <laughs> 2015 so I'm I'm older now I'm 30 and I've been through things and I feel like now it's a little bit more mature of an album Mm -hmm. so that's what I'm I'm really excited about it I love the people that are that are kind of going on their own and kind of doing the independent music theme Um, is this an independent music or is this assigned uh, signed to a label uh, nope, I'm independent. Love it. So what are yeah. some of the things that you are able to control better being an independent artist? And what are some of the things that you've been, that you realize that you have to work extra hard for in order to get this album to where you want it to be? So definitely the creative aspect is, you know, completely all in my control. Um, being independent, no one is requiring you to write a certain thing or sound a certain way or anything like that. Um, I can literally write whatever I want. And so that I love. Um, the thing that's hard about being independent is distribution, um, as well as uh, like getting your name out there. But now it's a little easier with the internet and social media. You know, anyone can make themselves someone on social media. I feel like these days. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like that that helps. But just distribution, I think, is the hardest part about being an independent artist for sure. It is because it's extremely expensive, and you know, I I was yeah. looking into. I worked with a couple of bands myself, and just to have a, let's just say, a thousand albums, you're looking at almost you know four grand, and right. you know that's hard to come up with, especially you know for an independent artist that you know doesn't have, you know, massive hits in the in, from behind to generate that money to keep you know other artists going because you, you you're doing it yourself. So where do you find right, exactly. where do you find the the um the funding and stuff to make these ha- these things happen? Um so my parents are my biggest investor. <laughs> <laughs> so my parents fully support my music career and they really got me started with everything and um you know there again I'm pretty sure they were happy that I got a college scholarship for hockey because Save them some money, so now they're able to, <laughs> to help me with music. Um, so I feel like they're—I mean—they're obviously the biggest, the biggest thing. And then also, we, my band and I, we play as many shows as we possibly can. So we're constantly traveling and playing shows, and you know, making money doing that. So everything that we make off that goes right back into the music. And speaking of distribution, I notice that one of the growing trends nowadays is having the vinyl back 
And I think that's a yeah. really cool thing, especially for country music, because that really was the heart and soul of music, was seeing your stuff on vinyl. Do you have anything like that out there that you're putting out? Yeah. So, yeah, this album, Ricochet Heart, is going to be available on CD and vinyl. Nice. We're doing, yeah, we're for sure doing vinyl, and I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to get the uh, the test. And you know what's cool about, you know, back. You know what technology, you know, you, we, we keep seeing everything moving forward, and you don't ever see, like, the eight tracks or th- anything coming back. But in music, it, that kind of, you, you, it's like we're kind of reverting back to some of those things that we used to use and love. I mean, people are starting to actually use cassette tapes again. And nobody knows the frustration of missing the song and trying to find it on a, on a, on a cassette tape unless you've been there. <laughs> I know, and I barely remember that, which is probably so sad. Well, I remember it but very I, well. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably so sad, but I know I did it. But or do you know what else is is really is was really uh, scary about that is hearing that you know, and then you look out and you realize dying inside the player. Yeah, it's like <laughs> oh, you 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 pull it out with like surgical hands. <laughs> yeah. Just like wrapping it around like an XLR cord. Yeah, that, that's that's Great. those are good times. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you love most about this particular album that you have out now? And how did you put your own um, your own self into it? Because obviously you're writing it, so you have some of that in there. But how do you put your yourself into the music outside of writing it to make it? Grow? Um, well, this album is really personal for me. Um, all, every song on the album has came from either a, a situation I went through or one of my friends went through and you'll people will notice in the liner notes and stuff I really put a nod to my family and my friends because you know I like being a sounding kind of a sounding board for my friends and so a lot of these songs are inspired for different stories that they went through or things that we've gone through together and I just think that it just gives it a whole nother kind of element rather than it just being so internal for me. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure we didn't lose you again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, let me write that down just so I can... Okay, so, um, tell me a little bit about the song uh, Last Girl Standing. What's the meaning of this song? So, I think I've, I've had it compared to uh, my family, when I'm talking to my family about it, they're like, well, that's what you were doing when you were playing boys hockey growing up. And I'm like, you know what, you're right. Because when I was, you know, when I was younger, there was no girls teams and, or very few girls hockey teams. So I was always playing on the boys team. And I used to wear my hair up in my helmet so the boys wouldn't know that I was a girl mm-hmm. because I wanted to get treated equally. And... I remember my mom at one point being like, I don't know why you're doing that. You're just as good as them. And I'm like, well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I guess guess we can try and do that. And I just, I felt like a whole different person once I just sort of embraced the fact that like, yeah, I am a girl. There's, and I would be, you know, one of maybe two girls on in an entire league and, but I can still hold my own. And I feel like that's, kind of where my music is right now, especially because country music is, you know, pretty male dominated, mm-hmm. um, at least right now. It is swaying a little bit more towards female now, which is amazing. Um, but I feel like it's, you have to really stand your ground and be who you are when you're making music, especially country music, because it is so saturated. 
Mm-hmm. That's true. And I know this. I noticed that the name of the album is Ricochet Heart. Does Ricochet yeah. have anything to do with your hockey? Like when the when the the, uh, <laughs> the the puck ricochets off the pole and hopefully goes the opposite direction so you don't score get scored on. But does it have any anything referencing that? No, it doesn't. But that's so. Um, you're the first one that's ever said that. I never yes. even thought of that. That's actually awesome. <laughs> no, that's that's not that's not what it's about. But that totally could be. That's amazing. I didn't even think of that. No, it's. Um, I just felt like well, Ricochet Heart is a, a title off one of the tracks of the album, mm. and uh, I just felt like it was a nice follow up to Love Hangover because Love Hangover is you know basically about you know, one kind of long situation I was in, and um, it's, you know, more kind of a breakup album, kind of, (laughs) Um, and this album is kind of the opposite, it's much more girl power, much more, you know, strong-willed, and so I wanted the title to emulate that, where it's, you know, you might get your heart broken, but, you know, it's going to come back, you're going to be able to give it out again as many times as you'd like. I like that. Well, um, Alana, we are going to be playing Ricochet Heart, uh, I'm sorry, The Last Girl Standing uh, right now, so I'm going to, uh, we actually got, we're running out of time, so I want to be able to give you the opportunity to go ahead and tell everybody how they can find you, how they can follow you, see what you have coming up with gigs, uh, social media platforms, whatever you want to throw out there, please do so. Yes, so we are everywhere, the band and I, we are very easy to contact. (laughs) Um, you can find all of our show schedules and all the details about the album um, on my website, um, alanamccrady.com. And um, all my social media is the same, um, Alana McCrady Music on Instagram, Alana McCrady Band on Facebook. And we actually have a Pledge Music uh, campaign going right now um, to help raise money for the distribution of this album and kind of get us get us rolling on some more tours and stuff like that. So all that stuff is live right now, and we will be touring all summer. Well, congratulations on the album. Congratulations on the release of the songs. And um, I wish you all the best. I cannot wait to, to uh, play this song here for everybody. And hopefully we'll Thanks be able to see so you much. in Tampa if you, come, if you come touring this way. We are. We will be in Tampa in September, I think. Perfect. Well, then I will definitely come mm-hmm. to see you live. Yes, do. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, guys, we're going to be playing right now. It's actually playing right now. Call the, the song Last Girl Standing. And after the song, we're going to come back to a commercial break. And we've got more to I was born and raised to run the race like there ain't no ribbon for a second place. It's a crazy world full of push and shove, but my mama taught me how to rise above. Trippin' on your boots Down on the floor How you like the view? Dream about me while you get some sleep Cause I'm the last girl Standing on two feet Hey, 
Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop at Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. Your time hasn't come yet, baby You've got a lot of dreams to go Your time hasn't come yet, baby Hey guys, it's Jason Dowd and I got a special announcement for you. You know, it's hard to believe, but 2018 marks the 50th anniversary of Elvis Presley's Speedway. Co-star Victoria Page Meyerink will be making personal appearances throughout the year, sharing her memories of Elvis. Visit Meyerink.com, that's M-E-Y-E-R-I-N-K.com to find out where or to host a screening or Speedway event of your own with Victoria. She's going to be bringing candid, special behind-the-scenes memories of working with Elvis. Again, to find out how you can have your own personal screening or Speedway event with Victoria, just go to Meyerink.com. M-E-Y-E-R-I-N-K dot com. The little boy next door who only makes you sore is gonna someday turn your head right now. Hi, this is Ashley Scott, and you're listening to AME Radio.
Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have on the line with us our special guest. His name is Hunter Fisher. He played young Jake in American Violence. He's an actor, and he's doing what he loves to do, and he's doing it at a young age. And we love people that are, that are so inspired at, at any age, especially the young ones, to go out there and go after what they love to do the most. And we're excited to have you on, Hunter. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. You know, I, I, I've, I've always loved that kids, young adults, and everything, they go after what they, what they want to do in life, and it, it, especially at a, at a young age. And I think it's inspiring for everybody to see that you are able to, to go out there and do this. And I hope, I really hope that, that your story will inspire others along the way today, too, even if they don't get into anything with acting or what have you. Um, but just, you know, to try things and, and never let anything stop you. So tell us, first of all, when did you get into being an actor? Um, I signed my first agent uh, right before I turned four years old. Wow. And uh, I just, they, they came to me in a mall asking me if I ever thought about it, and I decided to try it. And I was like, sure. And I booked my first job when I was four, and it was really fun, and I just had a good time. Wow. So what, what did you start in first? Was it a commercial? Was it, um, was it actually a movie, television, something like that, or was it uh, just a commercial? My first job was a PSA. It was okay. Not what it was about. <laughs> I was young. <laughs> hey, we can't we can't hold that against you for sure. I mean, uh, but doing that at four. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, is I I can only see that people, you know, at my age of four, I ha I still wasn't able to talk, you know, the way that n most people can when they're an adult. So to mad, I can only imagine learning lines at that age. How was it was it difficult for you to do something like that? I mean, it was at first, but, you know, you do it for so long, it's just kind of, it's normal. Mm -hmm. so and uh, it just gets easier the longer you do it. So when did you come into, into doing movies and television and stuff like that? How, when did that start to break, break for you? Uh, when I was five years old, I did a, a convention. It was called IPOP at the time. Mm -hmm. And I signed with my first uh, agent and manager in um, L.A., and it all started there. So one of the things I love to ask anybody that's in the acting field, um, you know, there's always that one role that you would hope that you get to play. Maybe it's a character, maybe it's a certain personality, maybe it's a superhero. Whatever it is, there's always that one role that you would love to have someday in, 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 in your career. What is that for you? Um, I think, you know, I love Westerns. I think a Western role with Clint Eastwood, or I would say John Wayne, but sadly he is not with us anymore. But uh, that is my probably favorite role that I could have. Now, you know, with Westerns, the cool thing about Westerns are a lot of that is, is and can be extremely, you know, based on, on real-life events because it did happen in most cases. You know, like Tombstone, that happens to be one of my favorite of all-time Westerns uh, because it depicted Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and stuff like that. Do you, would you want to play, like, a character that's based upon a true person or would you want it to be fictional and just something fun and, and adventurous i mean either or would be fine i mean it would both be fun to me but uh i like uh real stuff you know something that may might have happened a true story would be fun like i love the movie tombstone personally as well so i think that would be really cool you know, I've seen a lot of stuff where Val Kilmer did, you know, some uh, some of his best roles, like in Top Gun and stuff like that. But I think Tombstone, by far, was probably one of his best roles I've ever seen him play in. 
I, I believe so, too. I mean, you know, the one-liners, you know, I'm your Huckleberry, you're Daisy if you do, those are fantastic. I love stuff like that. Yeah, he, he's an amazing actor. So, uh, he was probably one of my favorite roles in that movie as well. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. I really liked his character that in that particular story. I, you know, in fact, after watching that Tombstone movie, I wanted to go to Tombstone myself, and that's one of the things I have on my bucket list. I'm going to get to Tombstone. I'm going to get to see the spot where that stuff really took place. Yeah. Um. Actually, uh, me, my mom, and my friend were driving out to California. Actually, went to Tombstone. Really? So you got to see everything. You got to see the Birdcage Theater and everything else. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. We also did, what was it, a coal mine tour, I think? Yeah, it was a coal mine there, and it was uh, we did a tour up. It was really cool. Wow. They had a zip line in it and stuff. It was awesome. That sounds fantastic. So tell me a little bit about, you know, your, your, your professional career as an actor, but also taking time to go to school and study and, and having and you know taking time to, to hang out with your friends and stuff like that how do you manage both of them I mean that's both of those are extremely important to you so how do you manage to keep them separate but yet enjoy both of them well um, well I'm home, sorry I just bring stuff working out. Uh, well, I'm homeschooled, and so it makes it, you know, it, it's something you have to do if you're trying to become professional in acting, because mm -hmm. uh, public schools give you so much trouble. I was public schooled for a little while when I was first becoming serious in acting, and it just gives you a lot of trouble with it, you know, not letting you leave on time for auditions and stuff. So homeschool is the main way to go, so. Now, if you ever get picked up by, for, like, a pilot show or something like that, I mean, I, I know a lot of them are... Uh, or, you know, sometimes four or five seasons long, some, so that you're looking about five, six years or something like that that they perform them. You know, they, they have schooling on, on set. Is that something you'd be doing, or would you continue to be homeschooled throughout this particular process as well? Um, well, uh, they do have school on set. They have students or studio teachers that come in, and uh, they just do school with you for so long a day in between your scenes or filming or whatever. So do you do you get to hang out with your friends and and do you have like friends around your neighborhood that you hang out with or do you kind of just hang out with with the other people on set? Uh yeah, I, I mean the acting does give me time quite a bit. You know, you get your breaks like during the week and stuff after school. Mm -hmm. Um, and I hang out with my directors and stuff. Uh, most of my directors and producers that I've worked with actually became friends with me, and we hang out. You know, play games and stuff together go to the house swim in their pool and stuff. They're really nice people. But, uh, yeah, it gives you time. So what do you like to do when, when you're not, when you're not per performing uh, television shows or movies or anything like that? What do you like to do on your, on your off time? Well, I uh, race motocross when I'm in Texas because my motorcycle is not in L.A. But um, I paintball, I airsoft, I snowboard when I'm in places that snow because... Texas uh, is very rare for snow. <laughs> and, uh, what else do I do? I like skateboarding, yeah. Surfing. I like the water a lot. I like the ocean a lot. I like surfing, too. My, I, I love, I, first time I ever went to a, a real major wave was out in San Diego. And it was amazing because I was treading above water. And I, I, I didn't have a board or anything like that at the time, but... I got stuck in a wave that was so big 
I mean, it literally scared me. I, I've never seen a wave this big before, and I knew I was going to get stuck in it because now I'm touching the bottom of the ocean. So if I, it, you're looking at about 10 feet of water gone, you know, and I knew yeah. I was in for it. You just kind of just, like, hold back and just let it hit you. But that was when I, when I discovered body surfing, and body surfing yeah, was so cool. Too. I love body surfing. It's so much fun. Yeah, San Diego's a good place to find big waves. I uh, I actually know Nick Lamb, a professional surfer. He's he's a two-time champion in the Mavericks mm-hmm. or in the Big Wave Tour, and uh, he's he's a really nice guy. And watching some of his week of uh, that waves, if I can speak English, <laughs> um, is just really cool. I'm I don't know how they do it sometimes. He surfs like 60 foot waves, and I'm like, I would die. <laughs> but uh. He taught me how to surf as well. So, and uh, we actually met on a movie set. Fun fact. Wow. Did he? So he gave. So he gave you some tips about surfing then. Yes, sir. He uh, he helped me out. He uh, lent me a board for a day. Taught me some tips. And now I just love to surf. That's so cool. That's one of my. Is one of my things that I love to do the most. And I actually, I kind of got like I. I didn't get a surfboard, but I because the. the the waves down here really aren't that big enough to surf, but you can you can body surf really good down here. So I got myself a body board, and um, that's a lot easier than than just doing it bare you know bare bare body that like I like I grew up uh, learning it. But um, man, it is so it is so much fun. Yeah, me and my brother used to uh, body board in Texas, and uh, now we just go out there and uh, body surf. That's cool. So Hunter, when you when you got your first uh, job to be an actor, how did your parents take it? Did they did they support you with it, and you know did they help you, or did they sit down and talk to you and try to go over the pros and cons of what would be you know involved with this? And when you made your decision, how did they support you? Well, uh, I was you know I don't remember it much, but what I do remember, they they still support me very much in my career and. Uh, I remember uh, they supported me, and they just wanted to make sure I wanted to do it. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm sure." Of course, I was also like four years old. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I just I loved it, so I wanted to stick with it. I have realized working with with um, uh, musicians and actors alike that you know the entertainment industry can be one of the most successful and fulfilling things to be in but it can also be one of the hardest and and cutthroat because of the fact that you got to you got to fight for these roles you know you got to go out there and try to beat out the next person t- to win that role and um it can be it can be quite you know um it can shake your confidence a little bit how have, how have you experienced that and how do you deal with with people's telling you no on on a on a uh, role? Do you take it? Did you take it personally at first, or did you realize well, that it just may not be? I may not be the right, you know, personality for this particular for, for this particular character. Well, you know, some people can get a little bit sad about it, but one thing I've realized and love to tell people when they're getting in the industry is, uh, it's a part of it. You have to take rejection well because it will happen. And you have to move on to the next role. And the first time I got a no, I I don't really remember. It was just kind of like, well, I guess I wasn't right for it. I just got to keep working for the next one. That's a, that, that definitely is a good uh, a good philosophy to take. And, and if you keep doing that, you know, eventually for every no, you're going to get a yes. 
So it's just a matter of going on to the next thing and ne never letting anything take you take you away from your goal and your vision of where you want to be. So I, I, I'm glad you have that. I'm glad you have that vision. Um, one of the things that I love to I love to ask everybody is that you you've been through this now for quite a few years. What advice would you give to any other kid that wants to come up and be an actor? What are some of the things that you would tell them that they need to look out for? And some of the things that you can give them tips for, like uh, the surfer gave you tips for learning how to surf. Um, well, the first thing I tell someone that asks me about getting in the industry is I always tell them that there's a lot of sacrifices, like going to public school for one, you know, people, you know, the social life, you know, going there, make a lot of friends, and this, you know what I mean? And you have to give that up if you want to get serious about it. I always tell them that. I'm like, you know, would you rather go to an acting job? Or would you rather go to your best friend's birthday party, which is going to be the best party in town? You know, because it's something you're going to have to give up, maybe. Mm -hmm. So you have to be willing to give up something with your friends or something to go do a job. That's one of the first things I will tell them. Mm -hmm. And you got to stay very grounded because this industry will swallow you up and make you so big-headed very easily. So you just have to make sure to stay humble and remember where you came from. Absolutely. What do you consider successful? Like when you're retiring someday, what do you want to accomplish as an actor? And what do you consider that as a, as a, as a success? And how do you want people to remember you as an actor when you retire? I know that's, a, I know that's well, kind of off, you know, looking, looking far in the distance, but, um, you know, you've got to have some type of a, of a vision of what you want people to, rem to remember your career as. Well, as successful, I think, you know, uh, that's a hard question. Because mm -hmm. there's multiple different types of successful, you know, there's fame, there's uh, money, you know, there's different types. But as far as, like, fame successful, I think uh, what I consider successful is people just remembering you is for some reason, uh, maybe as a good actor or something. But the way I'd want people to remember me is I, when I retire. Is I'd love to be like Clint Eastwood, and I'd love to produce, act, direct, you know, everything, a little bit of everything. I have a passion for it all. But as someone who is very inspirational, too. I love to be inspirational to people. Very well said. I'm, that, was a, that was a very good answer to that. So, Hunter, we are just about running out of time. So please tell everybody anything that you have coming up um, that you are working on right now that you can talk about. And also tell everybody how they can follow you if they decide that they want to uh, check out what you got going on or, you know, social media, websites, anything like that. Well, um, I have a series coming out. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name or not. But, uh, no, I'm not allowed. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, it's a series I think it's supposed to be filming for four years. Yeah, four years what? in New Mexico. So that's going to be filming soon, hopefully. And with... with I have a movie at, when is it coming out? Sometime this year. Sometime this year I have a movie coming out with Mary Lou Henner and Cor Corbin Burnson called Life with Dog. And I, I've done two westerns with Luke Hemsworth. One was with Luke Hemsworth, Chris Christopherson, Trace Atkins. The other one was with Michael Frey from Eddie and the Cruisers. He was Eddie Wilson. And then it was Chris Christopherson and Trace Atkins. And, uh... Rob Gronkowski was in my non-Western one. It's called American Violence. But uh, you can follow me on my Instagram at 
Hunter Fisher, all lowercase. And then at Hunter Fisher 5 on Twitter. And then Facebook's is Hunter Fisher. And then my website is www.hunterfisher.com, I think. Well, Hunter, we wish you all the best. You know, congratulations on the success that you've had so far. And I look forward to seeing you go very, very far in the entertainment industry. And hopefully, I'll see you at the uh, Oscars someday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, I'm nominated for, not an Oscar, but uh, for uh, Young Entertainers Awards this year. So, for two of my three movies. So, hopefully. Well, congratulations on that, too. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, Hunter, thank you for coming on and sharing your story and sharing your, your experiences because I know this is going to be inspirational for other people along the way, too. And um, never give up never give up the dream and just keep shooting for those goals and you'll, you'll be absolutely fine in life. Yes, sir. All right, thank guys. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for the interview. Hope you have a good day. You, too. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have so much more, so don't go anywhere. Hey everybody, this is Jason and I have something I want to talk to you guys about. Last year, as you know, so many of my family suffered a stroke. These things come on unannounced and it can cost you your life. Why? Because it's usually from high blood pressure or clots and you don't know you have these problems because it generally has no symptoms. One way to ensure that you don't have high blood pressure is to test it regularly. But who has the time to do it? You have to sit down, strap a blood pressure cuff on and take the test. And they are bulky and hard to travel with. Now there's a product called Hilo LX. The stylish piece of technology not only looks good, but it tests your vitals all the time on demand. Check your blood pressure, see how many steps you've done, see your heart rate, see how much sleep you get, how many calories you burn. It checks it all while you do what you want to do. Then you can check the results right on an app on your phone. I bought it for my family members, and you should too. To get yours, go to amemagazine.worldgn.com and get it, or any of their stylish accessories. In doing so, you'll invest in your health and help the AME experience get our word out and be the voice of artists everywhere. So what are you waiting for? That address again is amemagazine.worldgn.com. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed our guests today. They've been amazing, and I had so much fun with them. I know they enjoyed talking to you guys as well. So please check out what they got going on. Follow them on all their social media handles. Check out their, their work. And just enjoy, because they're doing it to help entertain you. All right, guys, we got about a minute left, so I am going to invite everybody to come back again tomorrow, because we have another show uh, that is going to be airing tomorrow on different platforms, and we will be here every week. Now, let me kind of tell you where you can find us, in case you don't know. Every Friday at 7 o'clock a.m. on the Drive Time Rush Show, you can find us on AM FM 247, 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is also on the internet and 11 a.m. FM stations. We're on the same network again on Saturday at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Two different guests per show, so two different shows per week. Check them both out. You can also find us on WKLAP every Friday at 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You can find us at Radio Love, that's Radio L-U-V, every Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. iTunes and iHeart On Demand. All you have to do is go search those little, that little search, type in AME Radio, and see what you find. You can also find it on our, the links on our website. All right, that's all I have for you guys today. Um, I hope that you will join us again next week, or tomorrow. And remember this before we go. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, 
Why are you doing it? Passion makes the world go round, and I know you, you guys will make some amazing things happen when you have it. All right, we'll see you again tomorrow. Good night, everybody. That's the end? We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.